Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 18 of the Faith, Tech, and Space podcast. I'm your host, Rich Hay from WindowsObserver.com. Good to be with you. It has been a couple weeks, just getting ramped up into online classes, and uh, we had a big weekend last weekend, which I'll talk to here in a minute when I talk in the Faith section. So just getting caught up, going to get you all the latest details on some of the headlines, some of the big events going on in tech, as well as updates around Windows Insider, Edge Insider, and, and all the new builds that have come out for Windows and Edge. I uh, wanted to start, though, by highlighting two stories that I found that were quite significant uh, in the last couple weeks. The first one, uh, have you ever been driving around or maybe looked in the one ads and seen the signs for work from home, earn money, that kind of a thing, right? And some of them put dollar signs. I mean, I've seen them as high as $20,000 a month for working from home and things like that. Um, well, there was an interesting story in the New York Times uh, about 10 days ago. And the, the headline was, a job that isn't hard to get in a pandemic, Swindler's Unwitting Helper. And it tells the story of several people who, who lost their jobs due to the pandemic and things like that. And they found a means, however they found that means, they found work. And uh, most of them are very similar. So the job in details, receiving packages from somewhere, taking the contents of those packages. And inside of that package, it tells you where to ship it. It provides you're provided the money to cover the shipping and all the, the expenses in that sense. And then so you basically lift this stuff out of the box, put it into a new box and ship it to a new location. And it's very expensive items, typically computers, uh, Macs, whatever it might be, cameras. It could be very tablets. It could be very expensive stuff. And then you send it on and forward it to somebody else. You get a check. You keep some of that money. Some of it goes for your expenses. So it it. It's an easy way to make money in a situation where you don't have a job and you got to have some kind of money coming in. But what they've uncovered is is that these are these are typically uh, criminals who are looking to move stolen property, or they're buying expensive items with ill-gotten gains, ill-gotten money, and they're moving those products overseas or into other locations so that they can be sold. To make clean money, right? Because the the laundry, it's basically a form of money laundering. And you know, folks that are desperate for work have answered these calls and have done this work. And many things kind of triggered their suspicions about it and things of that nature as they started to question what they were doing and things like that. So it's a really, really good read, and, and you get a sense of of how people just don't realize what they're getting into here. And so it's an extremely good read, and I highly recommend that. Uh, and then the other story I'm going to recommend to you is by Matthew Stafford. Yes, Matthew Stafford, the quarterback for the Detroit Lions. Uh, as many of you know, that here in the United States, the National Football League has gone back to playing football in mostly empty stadiums, lots of COVID protocols. They've obviously figured out a system because I think between week one and week two, they had that more than 30,000 tests and no positive for COVID. So they're obviously doing things that are working to keep um, the COVID at bay so they can keep playing football. But he wrote a story um, on the Players Tribune, which is a site where players and stuff can go uh, produce content, um, on September 18th. And he wrote, the title is, We Can't Just Stick to Football. And he talks about why it's important that as a team, not as an organization, not as a team, and we shouldn't as a country, and certainly not as individuals, uh, we can't just stick to football. This is a typical thing that you see on social media, right? Someone who has celebrity, whether it be a sports figure, whether it be an actor, or some other person who has name and, and recognition, comments on the current landscape of things. And unfortunately, they get a mixed response. And many times on the negative side, they get told, who are you? You're just an actor. Stick to acting. 
And I think that's extremely unfair because no matter what our career is, no matter what our job is, no matter what our position is, we all have a voice. We all have the right to be able to express that voice. I can speak for here in the United States. The right of free speech exists that anybody can. It doesn't have you pre-qualify that you are or are not rich or that you are or are not an actor or a sports figure or quarterback, a wide receiver, an NH, somebody who plays hockey, baseball, whatever it is. There is no obligation under the right of free speech to, that those disqualify you. So it's a little frustrating sometimes when I see folks who have voices and who choose to use that voice to communicate a message out to everybody and use that celebrity in, in a positive way like that for them to get shut down. And this story from uh, Matthew Stafford is very much in that thread. He talks about why, as, as you know, that we can't just stick to football or we can't just stick to podcasting or we can't just stick to writing tech articles or we can't just stick to whatever it is we do in this world. We have to speak up. We have to talk about the injustices that are going on in our communities, in our state, in our county, in our nation, in the world. We all have an obligation to do that. So it's a really good story to kind of understand um, this perspective. And so I highly recommend that to you as well. Okay, so uh, what's going on in the world of faith? Uh, it's been a, I think I mentioned to you two weeks ago in our episode, we were upcoming to uh, that following Saturday, which is now, today is the 27th of September, the last Sunday in September. So the 19th of September, last Saturday, a week ago yesterday, as of the day I'm recording this, uh, we had our right of candidacy mass. So we were called forward, the seven of us men on our cohort that are in formation uh, for the permanent diaconate here in our diocese of St. Augustine. Um, we are we were called forward by the bishop at a mass. It's it's considered the first public calling that occurs in this process of discernment and, f- and our first year of aspirancy into um, the diaconate, the permanent diaconate. So when we attend this mass, we're vested. So we're wearing alves, which is a white shoulder to um, ankle full length robe. Uh, that is typically worn underneath the vestments, and but we were wearing it as our outer vestment because we're not ordained clergy or anything like that. So at that mass, we're called forward by the bishop. He then goes through. He's obviously gotten a report and evaluation on us from from everybody involved in the formation process and and all of that. And then he says, you know, they've reported that you have done well in this aspirancy. Uh, are, and then he asks us a couple questions about are we ready to accept. Uh, candidacy towards holy orders, towards ordination, and we uh, respond with a couple of I do's. And at that point, we're candidates for holy orders. We're candidates for ordination in the permanent diaconate. And then study goes on as it was before. The only thing that has changed is our status. We've gone from being aspirants, aspiring towards, to being candidates for. So it's a significant step. And in this second year of ours, it's the first of three uh, steps in this process. And I don't mean, you know, our classes are important and all of that that's going on, but uh, we will soon uh, later this year be instituted as lectors, which are the readers. They're the people who read from the Bible, read the gospel, read from the lectionary, the the stories, the, the readings of the day for the mass that are from the Bible. And, um, but when you're pursuing holy orders, when you're moving towards holy orders, um, because lay people can be readers. I'm a reader as a lay 
layperson, but the institution as a lector is one of the steps towards holy orders. So you get instituted as a lector. So the only difference there is the institution as a lector compared to a lay reader is that you're heading towards a holy orders. And then the other thing that will happen at the end of this year too is that we will be instituted as acolytes. And acolytes are instituted for service on the altar, so to assist the priest and deacon um, in whatever way is necessary. And there's several formal ways that an acolyte assists. If you're familiar with the Catholic Church and altar servers, an acolyte is not an altar server but serves on the altar. So it kind of sets in between altar servers and the deacon and the priest to assist on the altar and can assist with many varied uh, functions on the altar and in the sanctuary during the Mass. So that will happen at the end of year two. And then uh, we will um, prepare for year three, which is our final year of formation. Uh, so already we're enrolled in our fundamental theology class. In fact, this morning I turned in my first short paper. Every other week we get these scenarios uh, about um, sharing our faith and, and sharing faith with others. And, you know, this first one was a, a, was a short one. It's only 300 to 600 words, so that's about two pages. And we get an opportunity to respond very pastorally to the scenario and how we might address the scenario that's given to us. So I turned that, my first paper in on that this morning. Uh, Catholic Social Justice Teaching yesterday turned in my paper on morality, which is what I chose to write about when it comes to Catholic social justice. And one of the challenges towards social justice in the church is morality. And then um, I will be starting my pastoral experience for that for my uh, second year. And this is because of COVID, we're kind of locked out of doing things like in the hospital, in prison ministry, um, and things of that nature. So mine's going to be, we're going to start doing some, I'm going to start doing some outreach to parishioners who are homebound, checking on them, seeing if they need anything uh, physically or spiritually, and then providing that feedback to our, our pastors. So that is what I'm going to be doing. I have to do 40 hours of that over the course of the next year. Uh, locally, here in a couple weeks, we start our homiletics classes. We're going to do homiletics one first, three classes worth, and then we start homiletics two in the new year. In between that, we have theology of the body. Now, homiletics in the Catholic Church, it, it comes from the word homily, and homily is the discussion the many would call preaching, but we don't refer to it as preaching, um, after the gospel is read at the Mass. And so you get, that's when the, the, the clergy, so it'd be ordained deacon or, or priest, kind of breaks down the word, talks about the themes that are talked about in the gospel, and tries to communicate that message, tries to form those listening around those lessons and, and help them understand the gospel better. So we'll be doing six homiletics classes this year. We're kind of squeezing both together because we had to, because of COVID, we couldn't do homiletics one at the end of the year last year. So we will do homiletics one coming up. And then we will do homiletics too. Uh, later on in the year, we have liturgy liturgy classes where we learn some of the liturgical functions we can that are performed by ordained deacons, such as weddings, funerals, baptisms, um, and so we'll learn about that kind of stuff as well. And then. Uh, I think I already mentioned in between the homiletics classes, we do have theology of the body. So that's another aspect of teachings from the Church of Vatican II about the body and about the, the sexes and gender and things like that. So that's kind of where we're at on the faith front. Uh, in tech, uh, got a couple weeks worth of updates to cover for you all from Windows Insider. So it's been a busy time in Windows Insider, pretty steady weekly releases. So in the dev channel this past week, we received build 20221. 
Uh, these haven't had a lot of new features in them. I think they may be kind of stabilizing things in preparation for what's about to happen, and I'll explain that in a minute. The week before, we got 20215 released into Dev Channel. Uh, beta and release preview. So you already knew that release preview the week before last received build 19042.508. So this was in preparation for the release of version 20H2. Uh, so that meant beta and release preview channel were running the same version, okay? Release preview was no longer dealing with the cumulative updates for version 20.04. So they were both on 19042.508. This past week, uh, beta channel and release preview channel both received 19042.541. So a cumulative update to 20H2, version 20H2, in continuing preparation for the release of this update to uh, everybody, or you know, their normal release cycle, later this year i think it's going to be in october which i think will be the patch tuesday in a couple weeks or there thereabouts maybe a week later so 20h2 getting ready to release that's why i think new features have not been prominent in the last few builds in the dev channel in the developer channel because they are kind of stabilizing the base because what will happen is or what should happen as i understand it when 20h2 is released that means uh, 20H2 will remain in the release preview channel to continue to test the monthly cumulative updates that come out for that release version of uh, Windows 10. In the beta channel, we should see something branch out of the developer channel down into the beta channel to lock it in for preparation for the release of Windows 10 uh, 21H1, which is the first release of next year. That will be a full feature update, not just a cumulative update. The typical spring is the full feature update. The fall is the cumulative update, the quicker update. So I think what we'll see happen is 20H2 will get released. It will stay in release preview channel to see all the cumulative updates that get released each month before patch Tuesday. Beta channel will then become a branch off of the developer channel to become 21H1 officially. And then that will move forward to release next spring, April, May timeframe. And then the developer channel will continue on its path, taking in new features, new updates, as it prepares until it's time to branch it off again for another update. So that's kind of where we stand with all the Insider builds. I do have some interesting leaks here for you to go with the Insider stuff. First off is the Insider website. If you're a Windows Insider, this is where you'll find your link to, to the ISOs, the change log that's available on Microsoft Docs that tells you what the new stuff is in each build as we go through developer channel and beta channel. Um, and then uh, the what's new, um, the overall what's new list, and it helps you kind of understand all the changes that have occurred over time. It was interesting, last week it was Microsoft Ignite, and one of the Windows 10 sessions I attended, they had uh, two charts that showed from the very first release of Windows 10 back in July of 2015, all the way to Windows 10 version 2004 that was released earlier this year, and it showed the stack, the kind of cumulative updates that occurred in each new build. And it's quite amazing when you find, I put it on my Twitter account, so you can find it on my Twitter, at WinOBS. And it's pretty amazing to see how much has been added through all these feature updates over the last five years. Uh, and then there is an interesting post in the Microsoft Tech community about planning for new capabilities in Windows 10. In there, you can get an idea of what they're working on. So that's also very insightful. On the Edge Insider front, in Microsoft Edge, the new Edge, Chromium Edge, uh, we currently have got all the new build numbers, right? So Edge Canary is sitting at uh, version 87 still at build 651. That's an update from 637 the week earlier. Of course, it got its daily updates. In the developer channel for Edge, you've got version 87 as well, build 644.4. That was a 
update from the previous week, 634. Now, so Edge Dev gets about a weekly update. Canary gets a daily update. Edge Beta, which gets an update every six weeks or so, is on version 86 on build 622.19, the week before it was on .11. So, so even though it only gets a major release every six weeks or so, there are regular little point updates to take care of uh, minor issues in the builds, but no major update. And then Edge Stable, which is still in version 85, is on build 564.63. It was on dot .51 the week before, so a lot of little dot updates over the course of the week. Um, I gotta imagine Edge Stable in its next update, because beta just updated not long ago, it, we should see it move to version 86 of, of Chrome version 86 as well, or Edge version 86 as well. So that's where all that stands. I got an interesting blog post here about the new Microsoft Edge on Surface Duo and how it showcases cross-platform uh, workings and stuff like that. Uh, from Microsoft Ignite from, for Edge, what's new in web experiences. Uh, and they talk about securing remote workers using Edge as your browser for business. And then building a faster, leaner, and more efficient Microsoft Edge, a blog post that they talked about building Edge itself. And, and I mentioned a couple times, last week was Microsoft Ignite. 48-hour event, ran over the course of, what, uh, two days, two straight days. And it was good. Lots of good information on there. All my coverage is on IT Pro Today. I'll make sure I mention it next time uh, we have a podcast. I'll, I'll stick links in the show notes. But if you go to itprotoday.com slash uh, Microsoft-Ignite-2020, you'll find all the updates. Go to the main page. You'll find it there as well. Um, so lots happened at Microsoft Ignite, and I don't have a whole list of, of things that were announced. Here's my recommendation to you. is you go to the Ignite 2020 webpage and you look at the book of news. The book of news is contains every announcement. They got four, four and a half pages of content index, right? And it's got links into the full book of news on the highlights of news that were announced in Azure, in Microsoft 365, for IT pros, for Microsoft Teams, uh, for security, for identity, for search, for Yammer, for Outlook, for everything like that. So it's the best single source that me reading a bunch of headlines to you. The book of news is the best single source for getting all the news out of Ignite. And then you can dive into the sessions. Then you can dive into the, the sidebar stuff, so the resources associated with that session um, and things of that nature. And then you can start to explore the, the specifics a little more. I will make sure that there is a link in the show notes, uh, in the show links, that is to the book of news directly so you can find it easily. And then you work from there. Okay. Other Microsoft headlines over the last couple of weeks, they, they uh, recovered their underwater data center, Project Mitic, uh, and it actually worked extremely well. It was practical. It used energy sustainably, and they had fewer failures in that underwater uh, data center than they have on, on land-based data centers. So it was an extremely valuable project and probably going to continue to be explored. Um, Office versions and connectivity to Office 365 services. If you did not know, there are some changes coming up. So in October, on October 13th, now if I have my math right here, I think October 15th is is, uh, Patch Tuesday. So uh, at that point, only certain versions of Office are going to support connecting to Office 365 and or slash Microsoft 365. So Microsoft 365 apps for enterprise, Microsoft 365 apps for business, Office 2019, and Office Professional Plus 2019, and then Office 2016 and Office Standard 2016. So, um, and other services that this all includes is Exchange Online, SharePoint Online, OneDrive for Business. Um, 
And so it means older versions of Windows are slowly being disconnected from those services, from those cloud services. So you have to be aware of that. One interesting note aside about Microsoft Ignite that Rich Woods over at NeoWin discovered is that hidden in a, in, a, in a tech community post about Exchange at Microsoft Ignite is the fact that they are going to release another perpetual version of Office. So the perpetual license version of Office is that standalone, right? You pay a flat fee, you get it, you can install it on one machine and one machine only. That is the perpetual version of Office. It really, a few years ago, it looked like Office 2019 was going to be the last time they did that. And that was kind of, in fact, I wrote this, that that was kind of the holdover for those still not moved to the cloud. Well, it sounds like now sometime either next year or late, uh, 2021, there will be another perpetual release of Office uh, available, and it will catch things up to a point where we're at with some of the stuff that can be supported in Microsoft 365, Office 365, but it won't be able to do it all, but it will be a catch-up in features that 2019 doesn't have. So that is coming. Um, Microsoft released some new firmware for Surface Go and Surface Go LTE. Surface Pro X with a new SQ2 chip and platinum color might be coming. Windows Central found evidence of that. Uh, Teams features by platform. This is just a really good review of understanding Teams features. And again, another aside from Ignite, Team is the hub. Teams is the hub for anything and everything, it seems, Microsoft. Um, Amazing how much stuff is now part of Teams where you can access it in a tab or channel and do work right there within the same framework. Okay, Surface Duo. We did a bunch of reviews a couple weeks ago. I'm not going to do a whole bunch of more reviews, but I am going to mention one um, that I found interesting because it was Microsoft didn't make a phone, it made the future. And this is one of the few reviews that actually talks about Surface Duo being a, a, a prototype for how things are going to move forward. Microsoft has always tried to make Surface a device for others to emulate, to grow a form factor. And that's exactly what Surface Duo is about. We know it's got issues with the camera. We know it's got issues with the, the, the lack of NFC and other things like that. But it, it, is, it wasn't all about the high-end pieces. It was about the, the concept, the, the device's capability and what it enables to be done. And this review is one of the few uh, that really addresses that, and it talks about that this is this is this is not meant for the now; it's meant for the future. And then another interesting one from Windows Central was Project Andromeda, uh, the secret history of Windows on Surface Duo. So apparently, they did try to build Surface Duo with Windows on it. That obviously was abandoned for Android, and we know what we have now. But it's just an interesting story there from Windows Central. On the Apple front, they released a whole bunch of new stuff. I didn't go through and, and pull every headline. But I've got an overall headline about the release of iOS 14 and iPad OS 14. The new watch OS is out, new home screen redesigns, app libraries, compact UI, translate app, scribble support, app clips, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's for Mac rumors. Um, interesting thing here, uh, Apple, in, during their uh, presentation about iPad, made two comments. One was that it's like, I don't know, four times faster than the than Windows device, and it wouldn't tell you what Windows device. And then the other one was they kind of trashed on Chromebooks, uh, which have been a key part of a lot of students being able to continue their studies at home during COVID, and they really kind of stepped on Chromebooks and Chromebooks Plays. Um, so it's just an interesting aside there, too. Uh, interesting link to a Steve Jobs Next keynote. Next is the company that Steve Jobs created when he was dismissed from Apple as the uh, when he was chairman then, before he went back. So an interesting keynote from 1988 there. 
And then the Apple un, uh, Unreal thing continues around Fortnite. Now Apple has asked the judge to block Unreal Engine development uh, in a new court filing. There's now a, um, a coalition of sorts of several companies that have feel like they have been at the mercy of Apple's App Store rules. Spotify is one of them, I think. Uh, Unreal is part of Epic. Uh, but they have, they have countersued in court as a group because of some of these behaviors on Apple's side. So this is not over yet. It's not near over. Epic's now been off of the Apple's iOS store, App Store for a while, uh, and I just don't see that changing anytime soon. On the Amazon front, they had a, uh, a product event this past week, uh, Wi-Fi 6 with their new, they've done a new mesh Wi-Fi system. Uh, starts at, it's an Aero mesh system, and it starts at 129, which is not too unreasonable. Um, next generation TV Fire Stick, TV Stick Lite, and a redesigned user experience for those devices. Uh, all new Echo stuff. So they've they've redone some things. They the Echo some of the newer Echoes, low end Echoes aren't round kind of pucks anymore, but they're round. They've done some specific kid versions of these. Uh, so some and they did a new um, uh, Echo sh like the Echo Show, like the show, except this one has a rotating display that follows you and keeps you in frame on the camera, which sounds very clever, but concerns me about reliability and durability. Um, then, um, oh, I guess I put the uh, fire stick thing twice. What was the other? Th oh, um, the uh, the drone. That's what I'm missing here. I, I copied the same link twice. They've released a, a ring, uh, which Amazon owns now, a drone that sits and flies around your house to keep an eye on things with a camera, with a microphone. Just can't wait to see what comes out of that and everything that happens there. I just don't think that's going to be any good at all. That is going to be a problem at all. Uh, completely sorry i have to type one thing in here to remember something all right so yeah lots of new stuff from apple this week uh, I, I am intrigued by the new uh, dots and the globe the kind of spherical ones they look very interesting and they come both with the clock version like we had on the uh, previous echo dots um, but they also come without that as well uh, Facebook Project Aria AR glasses are going to launch next year they talked about those and announced those uh, on Google, Pixel 5 is about to launch, a new Chromecast, a smart speaker uh, event is looking to be coming this coming week. So let's see, 28th Wednesday of this week after I record this podcast, that would be September 30th. So we've got some new stuff coming from Google. And then I thought this was interesting. You know, Google Fiber kind of died out as a national project, but it still exists in many communities. And they've got a plan now where it's 100 bucks for two gigabits of internet service and you get a Wi-Fi 6 router and mesh extender as part of that. So I thought that was actually quite reasonable for fiber. Um, again, I'm happy with my one gigabyte uh, Xfinity internet service. It comes in on my copper. I don't have to have fiber run. It is extremely reliable and done well, knock on wood. But uh, it continues to do well. But that's if you're in the area of fiber and looking for a deal, that's a pretty good deal. Uh, that might be an introductory price. And so you got to check that out specifically and make sure that you don't have some kind of rise uh, in price coming at the end of a year or something like that along the miscellaneous tech front let's see at&t is considering cell phone plans subsidized by ads hmm not sure what that looks like maybe it's like um the the kindle with ads right they show up on the screen while it's off um maybe this is the same idea that shows up on your on your device when it's off or locked uh, Spotify, this is it. Spotify, Apple One Bundle is a threat to collective freedom. This is part of that whole story around several companies uh, suing Apple together around App Store behavior. Uh, if 
NVIDIA acquired ARM for $40 billion to buy their chip company, their chip business. So that will be interesting to see what NVIDIA, who makes video cards obviously, will do with ARM as well. Uh, Microsoft and Azure. Microsoft Azure versus Amazon AWS and connecting to satellites to cloud. One of the things announced at Microsoft Ignite this week was Azure Orbital. I think that was the name. But it's a, it's a, it's a ground station that can connect to satellite for data connectivity for a data center. So it was uh, just uh, me in space. I love that. Plus, there was a big NASA bit uh, as part of I've got links later on, a big NASA part of uh, Microsoft Ignite because they're using HoloLens to help build uh, the Orion spacecraft. Uh, COVID cybercrime, 10, 10 disturbing statistics. Uh, I mentioned already at the top of the podcast about the scam around getting people to, to ship uh, you know, objects back and forth to help uh, launder money. Um, nine of 10 coronavirus domains are scams. Half a million Zoom accounts are for Zelle on the dark web. Brute force attacks are up 400% during this COVID pandemic. So you got to be paying attention. Unsecure remote desktop machines is a big one, 40%. Uh, remote desktop brute force attacks grew 400% in March and April by themselves. Email scams, 667% surge back in March. Um, three, they now figure users are three times more likely to get to click on pandemic-related phishing scams. Uh, billions of COVID-19 pages on the internet. Tens of thousands new coronavirus-related domains are being created daily, most of them bogus. 90%, there you go, there's the number. And more than 530,000 Zoomus accounts sold on the dark web and a 2,000% increase in malicious files with Zoom in the name. Just unreal. The, you know, it, we know this already, right? That when something happens in the world, criminals are going to hook onto it and try to take advantage of it. Whether it be acting like they're looking for donations and things like that, it happens. You have to be even more vigilant these days in the midst of this pandemic than you would be normally. So you just have to be vigilant in your email, in your online interactions, all of it. I'll give you an example of something we caught on a Facebook page. Comments from one person, two women, uh, they were older women, and they were very sweet kind of um, uh, doting type comments, but they were very similar across all four women that received these comments. And we're pretty convinced, uh, we're pretty sure the person has nothing to do with the, the site that we were, we, were, we were on looking for this, um, but it's very likely it's the start of a scam right? Friendly, uh, very kind. You start a dialogue, you start to go back and forth. And then before you know it, you're, you're kind of connected. And then the person asks for something, asks for a small thing, asks for a small amount of money, asks for whatever it might be. And then it ramps up and escalates from there. Uh, it's unfortunate. We warned, we've removed the person's comments, we banned them, and we warned all four women about it just in case they'd already engaged with them. But it's dangerous. It, it, it is challenging to know what is up and up and what is not. Um, so you have to be cautious. You have to be cautious, not to the point where, you know, you're kind of wearing binoculars all the time, but you have to be common sense. You have to pay attention. You have to just make sure you don't get looped into anything like that. Uh, what else? Uh, building the busy light. A lot of people working from home. This is a pretty cool thing to build a little light that hangs out your door that's based on your Microsoft team presence. So if you're in a meeting or something, it would show up red. If you're available, it would be green, etc. So if you're looking to do something on your own and do it yourself, that might be something you'd like to do. Uh, Evernote. The company behind Evernote, the CEO did an interview. Um, they're trying to fix themselves, as he put it. Um, but it's just an interesting read about how companies kind of face challenges and how they look to fix that. Many of these fixes aren't overnight. 
Comcast is launching new free Wi-Fi connected hubs for low-income students. I think this is terrific. Uh, all ISPs should be able to provide something for students to be connected. I've seen most of us have seen stories or pictures on social media of kids sitting in the parking lot of a Wendy's or a McDonald's or anywhere that has Wi-Fi, open Wi-Fi, to connect and do schoolwork. I mean, that's just crazy. That's that's part of the big imbalance that we have. You know, I talk about being happy with my one gigabyte connection, but there's so many people who don't even have that or, or a, 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 the slightest little percentage of that to where kids have got to go outside of a fast food restaurant to connect and go to school. Um, so I, Microsoft has been doing a lot of work in this in, in um, uh, rural broadband, rural white, noise, white space uh, to be able to get signals out there and help connect people. And this is another step of another company doing a very similar thing. On the gaming front, let's see. Xbox Game Pass subscribe subscriptions have jumped 50% in six months. Now, again, I've mentioned this before. In the midst of a pandemic, not surprising to see that kind of a jump. How much is retained when this is all over and we're quote-unquote back to normal, we'll see. That's still pretty significant, right? So they've, they've 50% jumped to 15 million subscriptions. On top of that news, we found out that Microsoft purchased Bethesda. So they bought a, a company that owns Bethesda. And so they've, they've got a suite of games that are now in Xbox Game Studio. Uh, Studio. So that means all their games, first day release on Xbox Game Pass, for instance. Uh, don't think they'll be exclusives. Many of these are cross-platform. I think they'll stay cross-platform. Microsoft has always been about cross-platform. I saw somebody propose a tweet this week that said maybe Microsoft didn't buy them for cross-platform. I don't think for a minute Microsoft won't leave them cross-platform, okay? I, that, that has kind of been Microsoft's MO, whereas on PlayStation and Sony, not so much. But Microsoft's MO has always been cross-platform. Uh, there are some exclusives. Don't get me wrong. There are. But again, when, when they're dealing with a cross-platform uh, game, version, whatever it is, they tend to stick to that. Uh, cloud gaming is now available on Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. Launches with more than 150 games. It's no longer in preview. It's now called the Cloud Gaming Beta. Uh, so you can get that with Game Pass. Uh, things they're doing at Xbox to, com to improve transparency and choice on your console data and how your console data is used, retrieved, saved, etc., etc., etc. So this is a this is step movement forward for Xbox on your console. Uh, Xbox Family Settings app is now released for iOS and Android. This is a tool to be able to manage your children's gaming accounts so you can control their hours and things like that and what they can access, who can be their friends, etc. Um, we need this exact same thing for Windows 10. We Right now the settings are part of the parent account. you got to go into the account website, but there should be an app someday that allows the same kind of functionality. And then a primer on the simple and custom storage options that are going to be available for Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S at launch. These are the, the expandable drives that you can get and plug into the back of the device to expand the device. It's still going to be okay with using your external USB 3.0 hardware. That's what I have. I have a one terabyte hard, uh, hard drive that is I use for external storage. That's still going to work. But these are more, these are um, for ports built into the system and will provide for quicker access. Um, and then Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020 got its latest patch version, 1.8.3.0. They just announced that World um, Japan is going to be the focus of a world enhancement feature later this month. In fact, I think it's Tuesday, and th where they put in a ton of attention into the Japanese area of the map, airports, uh, visuals, and landmarks, and things like that. Uh, the new Microsoft Store on Xbox is now officially launched to everybody on the Xbox One platform. So you can go grab that and download that update. And then um, 
one of the things that Amazon also launched, I think I, did I skip over this one? Uh, yeah, cloud, I did skip over it. Amazon Luna is their cloud gaming service. It'll play on, uh, fire TV sticks and things like that. So that there's another player coming into the cloud game streaming thing. I've signed up for early access, which you can do. We'll see if that goes or not. Uh, but that, so, uh, the interesting note here, it's running on Windows servers. Very interestingly, it's running on Windows. They're Amazon Windows servers, but they're Amazon, they're Windows servers. So that gaming system is going to, and there's, it involves a controller. I think the introductory rate is $4.99 a month. Um, and then I assume after it's out of preview, that will go up. All right, pre-orders. I'm going to mention, I don't have a whole bunch of links to stuff about pre-orders, but I'm going to talk about pre-orders for a minute. So a couple weeks ago, we had pre-orders for the PS5 that came unannounced. Different retailers at different times late one evening here on the East Coast made their stock available. And it was a mad rush craziness for a day, day and a half, two days. Eventually all sold out. Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S about 10 days ago came out. Oh, I think it was the 22nd of September or something like that. Maybe, yeah, 20s. The day Ignite started, they landed. It did not go very well. Tough access, tough inventory. Sites weren't working right, all kinds of craziness, all right? Sold out, sold out, sold out. And then the RTX 3080, which is NVIDIA's new very high-end uh, video card, retailing for about $799, uh, went on pre-order. Had a mess of a time with pre-orders there, too. Not me. I didn't order anything pre-order. But all three of these things from uh, the PS5, the Xbox Series X and S, and the RTX 3080 seem to have really bad uh, launches for their pre-orders. Um, and things will settle down eventually and, and get moving. But here's the big problem with these three pre-orders. Uh, if you go over to eBay, I did. I did a whole Twitter thread about this and start searching for confirmed pre-order for PS5, Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S, or RTX 3080. You will find multiple, multiple in the tens of hundreds listings for these devices marked up sometimes double maybe sometimes not as much and sometimes four times as much trying to sell these devices now none of these devices that i'm aware of is available yet right series x and s don't come out until the 10th of november ps5 comes out a little bit later than that i'm not sure rtx 3080 might be available now but you know there are tons of listings for a very significant amount of money um, for these pre-order devices and all it's based on is a pre-order a confirmed pre-order don't go buy those things for two reasons one there's no device in somebody's hand there's no hardware in somebody's hand to be sold all they have is an email or notification that they got a pre-order all right so there's nothing to be sold or bought yet the other problem is is the markup is ridiculous people trying to make a quick buck you know several years ago this was done and some people did that but don't go buy that stuff don't feed that market for the markup. Be patient. The stock will come in and you'll be able to get it at normal retail price and move forward. And then everybody who pre-order one, if they bought it so that they could use it, great. If they bought it so they could sell it, they're going to be stuck with it and then they'll be using it. Or else they'll have to mark down their price to a point where they can't make that un unreasonable uh, markup. So be smart about it, okay? All right, let's close out with space stuff. Uh, Artemis versus Apollo, a really good video comparison from Everyday Astronaut, uh, where he looks at Artemis, will it be sustainable? He compares it to Apollo and the cost of Apollo. So really, really well done video. Uh, DOD Watchdog said that there's nothing wrong with the way the Air Force certifies new launch vehicles. So I just thought that was an interesting note uh, because there's a lot of certification that occurs with new launch vehicles. Um, 
on the NASA front, let's see, they've been flying around studying the California wildfire burn areas. Um, they've, incre- they've invented technology that enables a precision landing without a pilot. These are just so interesting stories. They also have built a new space toilet, right? So if you've ever read any of the astronauts' books and you read about the process of going to the toilet in space, it is always an interesting evolution. It's not as simple as we think about it here on Earth. But now they've built a new space toilet to try to make that a little bit easier on those guys in CRG. Uh, NASA has partnered with uh, Blue Origin uh, for a partnership to test precision lunar landing technology. So they are working together with that. Um, HoloLens 2 is helping to build, I mentioned this, building, helping to build the NASA Orion spacecraft. This was brought up at uh, Ignite this week. And so it's a story about how that is all coming together. Uh, and there's a video as well that was from Ignite. Uh, because of the Ignite tie-in with HoloLens and NASA, there is now NASA information on Microsoft Learn. It's actually a package of learnings and certifications that could lead you to work for the space agency or work in aerospace. So I thought that was very interesting to see that. Uh, preparations for the next moonwalk, which is how the Orion will take the astronauts out to the moon, uh, launching on SLS, and they will then walk on the moon. And the way they're training to walk on the moon is underwater simulation, uh, because it, they can, with the right weighting, they can simulate that that uh, moon gravity. And um, it's what they trained on for ISS and weightlessness as well. All they do here is different; is they add a little bit of weight to create the amount of um, of gravity that exists on the moon. Uh, and then NASA has also published a detailed report about how the agency benefits the U.S. economy, the money spent, the investments made in economies and locations and stuff like that. Now, launches. Launches have been sliding back and forth for the last couple of weeks. So as of today, 12 o'clock noon on 27 September, here is the current short order launch plan for the next few days. So tomorrow in the morning, SpaceX will do another Starlink launch from, from Florida. Monday night, Tuesday morning, just after midnight, uh, Tuesday night, East Coast time. These are all East Coast times. Uh, United Launch Alliance, who has slid a couple more times over the course of this weekend. So this is on the 29th of September, technically, just after midnight, uh, Monday night, Tuesday. The ULA Delta IV Heavy is on schedule to launch the the National Reconnaissance Lab uh, payload, if it doesn't slide again. If everything sticks and it goes and there's no issues on the range, the range will be ready on Tuesday evening for another SpaceX launch, this time for a GPS satellite. I don't know which one, whether Starlink or GPS, is going from uh, Launch Complex 41 or Launch Complex 39, the old shuttle Apollo pad. But that will happen Tuesday evening. And then up in Virginia on Tuesday evening, there will be an Antares rocket launch with an ISS cargo vehicle headed to the ISS for resupply. That will happen in Virginia, though. So the first three launches, Florida, the fourth one in Virginia. This will be four launches in the course of just a little more than 36 hours. Pretty intense. If anything slides, if if ULA slides, well, Starlink can't slide to the next day because of ULA and GPS because they have to configure the range. So if anything bumps, it could cascade all the other Florida launches as well. Other space news, they're doing leak checks still on the in on the space station. They had a small leak for a while. They have a very methodical way to try to find it, and they're still working on that. A German rocket startup is looking to get involved in the European launch industry. So kind of like uh, we're seeing here in the United States with uh, smaller companies. There are more company, commercial companies getting involved in launches. Uh, I got to recommend watching a PBS special uh, called 
Chasing the Moon. I highly recommend you watch it. It's three episodes. They're about an hour and 15, 20 minutes each. Uses a lot of original footage, but it's and but it's updated with interviews and things. But it's a really good insight into the 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 pursuit of heading to the moon in the early days of the space program in the 60s in the space program. And then another one I found, I, you know, I've had this link for a while. It's called spaceflight.com. They are a service launch services company and uh, are providing launch services. You can book your launch and pay for it with a credit card, right? Not people launches, but hardware launches. So if you got a satellite or a mini satellite or something like that to launch, you might be able to go pay for it with your American Express. All right. I just thought it was cool that you could pay for it with a credit card. Uh, okay, in closing, a couple links for you to finish up with. Star Trek's official video timeline. This is the coolest timeline I've seen that kind of ties together all of the series, all of the canon that we know, and how they all kind of sync together. So I recommend, if you're a Trekkie like me, you'll, you'll find that extremely interesting. Time has published their list of the most influential people of 2020. Lots of space folks on there. So highly recommend taking a look at that. And then the movie delays again. There was a specific story updating all the release dates for different movies, blockbuster type movies, because they haven't released in the, in the theaters. Uh, but they've released a new schedule. There's lots of plans for either streaming services and in the theater or just in the theater. I still have a really hard time with the idea of going to a theater for a movie anytime before I'm vaccinated. Um, so, you know, that, that continues to be a challenge for me to even think about. And it's going to be a bummer, right? Because Top Gun 2, Top Gun Maverick's coming out. Uh, Wonder Woman 84 is coming out. There's so many good movies coming out that I want to see. But if they're just in a theater, I'm not going to see them then. I'm going to wait. I, unfortunately, that's just going to be the nature of the beast for me. I'm not sure about you guys, but that is how we're going to approach it for us. Okay. That's it. That's episode 18. Uh, thanks for joining me for a rundown of uh, Faith, Tech, and Space and talking about a little bit everywhere, everything. Um, it continues to be very busy times. Uh, my plan is to continue to produce this po podcast throughout this journey and experience. I love talking the faith part and sharing with you where I'm at and what I'm doing in my formation and discernment. Uh, I love sharing the tech, of course, which has always been my thing. And, of course, space is one of my other passions as well. So thank you all for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for all of you that take the time to pay attention. Uh, and I will close as I have been closing recently. Be kind to each other. Wear a mask. You wear a mask for others, not for yourself. All right, so be kind. Stay safe. Take care. And blessings to everybody. And we'll see you on the next episode of Faith, Tech, and Space. Mm -hmm.